0: All right, weekends, episode 13. If you're a diehard fan, you had episode 11. You had our special episode on Saturday with the Vision Pros. We're back, episode 13. Big number, who you got? Yeah, 13 is,
1: um, we were talking about Alomar and the Indians last time. 13 is Vizquel. I love Vizquel because he's Venezuelan. That's where I'm from. Um, big, big uh, superstar back home. Um Michel Balak. I don't know. It's like Michael, but I try to pronounce it the German way. Uh, my boy Mo, he's a diehard Chelsea fan. That was his guy growing up. Uh, Michael Balak. And uh, I'll also shout Steve Nash, who Ooh, Steve one of my Nash. favorite point guards, man. I kind of, I think he robbed an MVP from my boy Kobe, uh, but I let that slide. One of my favorite point guards of all time.
0: Some other big names on the 13 list. OBJ. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget okay. the reach back catch, OBJ. Yep. We got some some big quarterbacks. Dan Marinos, 13. Kurt Warner, Super Bowl champion. Kurt Warner, 13. 2 times. Who else we got champion. on here? James Harden, but, I mean, that's... I think we could have gone without saying James Harden. Um, Alex Rodriguez, that's a big one.
1: Oh, A-Rod, man. Yeah, killer, killer. Uh, you know, steroided, steroided out, but I guess at least he admitted it, so the baseball gods forgave him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dude, Kurt, Kurt Warner. People forget his story. He was like a he was like a bagger at a grocery store, and like walked on to. I, f- I forget exactly, but uh, we'd have to revisit that story, man. That that was uh, pretty legendary.
0: I remember th- when I was growing up, those teams with Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Kurt like that. That was a sick team to watch. The same way that you watch the Chiefs today, I feel like they were really good.
1: They were yeah, they were monsters, man.
0: Yeah. All right, dope. Let's get into it. Um, huge Apple Vision Pro week. So we cut co- a lot of what we've been doing is on that covered it, used it, gave our takes every which way. We've got a couple little nuggets on that we can get into. We can save that for the end or we can get into it now. Pick your poison. What, what direction should we go? I mean, let's
1: get into the Vision Pro just because it was such a, ma- I mean, that's, if you were on the internet, that's probably like, <laughs> we probably even had fatigue. I have met. I'm like swiping now. I'm like, I don't want to see another Vision Pro thing. It was Same. just like so much, so, so much. But it, but I guess it did deserve it because I think it is uh, that breakthrough of a product. You got a sick YouTube video on it thumbnail was super dope. T- title thumbnail combination, you cracked that. And so the rest was just gravy, but what were uh synthesized or summarized that sort of sort of your thoughts on the
0: from the YouTube video? Yeah. Basically my thoughts are You said, you are, said you're
1: going to return it. So
0: yeah. And I'm and I'm like that. I'm 80% return. So basically what happened is I wanted to kind of use it for two hours, sit down and like make a reaction right away. And like, I'm not the fastest with the video editing. So it took me two days to put it out. But like i had recorded it right away. And my initial quick reaction was like, holy shit, this is amazing. The immersion is crazy. The spatial video is unbelievable. But as I was playing with it for two hours, my head was hurting. And I was running out of stuff to do already. And so I was kind of mm-hmm. like, Hey, I did. I did think I had somebody in the comments, Paul Revere, busting my balls. I definitely thought this is good for content. Like, I'll get views if I say I'm gonna return it. But in my head, Plus, I was I, like,
1: I think we said that on this show. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, we, we did. did
1: it for the content opportunity. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Paul, Paul obviously didn't watch our uh, our long form because if you read the comments, he was giving me a hard time. But this, I, I thought it'd be good for content. But also, after two hours, I was like, wait a second in two weeks, this is going to sit on the shelf. Like this is just Mm -hmm. going to be, I'll use it once in a while or like friends will come over. But so I'm kind of 80% leaning towards returning it because of that fact. I just don't think there's enough to use. However, as I thought about it more, every new app or experience or program or content series is just going to get like piped over time. And so if I return it, I'm basically, I'm basically betting that there's going to be no killer use case or no transformative experience that gets dropped between now and the V2 coming out. And that's just not going to be true. Like there's going to be something that comes out in six months that becomes like a killer use case. And I'm going to have to rush to buy it again. I think if that happens. So yeah, maybe I'm saving four grand, maybe not, but that's kind of where I landed on the return of like, I think I'm still kind of leaning towards returning it just because there's not a ton to do, but you put it through its paces after we initially talked and like used it for productivity and stuff. So I want to hear, did your opinion change or where you at on it?
1: No, I still think it's like a V3 V4 where, where it'll be like time to really, really buy. Cause it really is nothing to do. Like there's just not, like, I don't, I do not have any urge to pick it up anymore. Now I will say like the, the single player viewing experience, like I really do think it rivals like a $10,000. If you just put on like a good pair of headphones uh, you know, AirPods Max with the device, and you just sit back, I do think it rivals like the most expensive home cinema experiences. It's it's phenomenal. But again, it's like single player. And I already don't really watch any shows or movies as it is. So it's like, am I really going to use it? I'm also leaning towards returning it. The reason I'll probably keep it is just because the uh, the chance that if something really dope does come out, like I want to cover it, like especially for metaverse. Um, but at the same time, like what is after this last reel that went super viral is like, what is covering it really going to do for me? Yeah. You know, it's like it's like and, and so am I just keeping it because I may get a lot of views when something comes out. But now we know we go back to the same thing we always talk about in this show. It's like, what do those views even mean? Does, does it really matter? So I don't know. I'm not also leaning towards returning it. I actually think um, Quest 3 is just a much better buy. Like, in my Quest, um, and I'm not a huge, like, gamer either. I don't use it that much either. It just sits there and collects dust. But the catalog is just so much bigger. And I have tried, like, um, Microsoft Flight Simulator in VR using, um, like, virtual desktop on the Quest 3. It's phenomenal. Like, and there's just yeah. so much shit that exists for the for the Quest 3. Quest Pro, yeah, there's There's nothing, man. Like, there's just not a lot to do. Um, and the novelty will work. That's why I told everybody not to buy it. Um but yeah, no, there were, dude, there's gonna be a day where it's like a, a Pokemon Go style explosion of an app that becomes like everybody rushes to get the Vision Pro, whatever version it may be at that time. And that that like changes everything. Um, it's just, I think we're a couple of years away.
0: The question, a good question to kick around, cause I actually think this will be a good segment just talking about like hypotheticals cause everyone loves hearing this. A good question to kick around is like, what apps or experiences if Apple announced tomorrow, do you think would cause people to try to knock the door down and try to buy these secondhand and like the prices on eBay of people flipping them? I can think of a few, the live sports example, like the, in the demo in the Apple store, like we talked about last time, they showed they like peeped the soccer and the baseball live. If they, and I think the reason they didn't put that on there is because they don't have the licenses yet from the leagues they ha- they have the mls apple like either owns mls or owns the right yeah they don't own but they own the rights apple tv owns the rights to mls so they i'm sure they can get the soccer stuff done in the us if they announce live sports and you can watch on the field the way that that demo portrays it's over like that that is that is a huge use case although now the football season's over so they'll probably wait until next nfl season to do that so that would be one two would be like a first person shooter but you're not going to have haptics or the omnidirectional treadmill so it would still be cool, but I feel like it, not that you're, you're going to sit on your couch. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think.
1: Yeah, we already have that in like in in the quest. I, there's not enough stickiness to it. I don't think.
0: Yeah. So what else? What else could there be? Can you picture anything or no? That's the quest. Well, hasn't I think done you, it. you
1: put it on your story that I really agreed with. It's the multiplayer component. So like that is one thing. Like being able to watch a game courtside with with you know all the homies like left to right to me. And, um, it's like direct, the sound is directional. So I turn to my left to hear the guy on my left a little better. And it's like, and it's, and it's that experience that's definitely coming that there's going to be a lot of stickiness to that. And I do think that's the future of like watching live events, um, concerts, things like that. There's nothing really I can think of right now that'll have the masses rushing to buy it. I mean, there's a few things that I can think of that I'd spend a lot of money on. I'm sure people are, are working on this, but like, let's say a super highly realistic, either you know, filmed by an acclaimed director or just like pure, you know, unreal engine 5.2 or, or three or whatever, um, would be historical reenactments. And so, Oh, I, like I, I don't know. Imagine like a three sixty visual of being on the raft with George Washington as you're crossing the Delaware, or I mean, any, anything that you can think of, right. But like historical reenactments where it puts you right there into the action. Maybe it's even a 30 second clip or a 10 minute short film, whatever it may be. I think there's something there and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we talked about it. I think in the Quest Two, there was one, and it's and it's morbid and it's grim. But there was like a nine eleven simulator, and it sticks with me because it was so like jarring and traumatizing in a way. But the the visuals were so low that it didn't really, it wasn't like that compelling. But obviously, that's a that's a, a more grim example. But you can think about it, man. Just being first person to like all the great events that have happened in the world historically, or even maybe like just being front row to Wilts 100 point game, whatever it may be. But like these kind of recreations, I think I'd spend a lot of money to witness and experience.
0: So that's, that's a good transition to this idea that I had, which is think about how are the content paradigms going to shift because of the vision pro or like, and and I say vision pro and like a lot of people are in the comments being like, yeah, but meta has been doing this and like the quest three. Yeah. So I totally agree. Let's assume like, let's assume the vision pro just funnels way more attention, developer attention into it, but we're talking about the whole category. So the, the interesting thing is like today, bef- in not in VR in like normal world, you kind of have like a few different content styles that everyone goes to, and there's not a lot of innovation outside of that. So you kind of have the, you've got the talking head, a roll style, where like people just sit in front of a camera, they have B-roll, but like for the most part, it's them talking to you. You've got like, I mean, we it's a long list, but like you've got the more cinematic in, environment stuff where you know it's like a mini film you've got something in between where it's kind of like a vlog where you're in the environment talking but like also whatever so those there's like these fixed content paradigms that most people play within and they like tweak different things but there's not a lot of uniqueness you've got screen recordings whatever so once this came out what was cool one of the cool things i thought was it created a lot of interesting experiments like You had the screen recording from POV, which is cool. We haven't really seen that. If you wanted to do that before, you could hold your phone up, I guess, to your eyes, but like there was no clean way to do it. So you started to see, like, what do people see through this thing? But also, because the device itself is a meme, you had a bunch of people like going places with it you wouldn't have thought and like acting skits out and stuff. And those went viral. So I'm curious to get your take on like what what are the content options or ideas or frames or types that could come out of this that would open things up broader than what kind of like the options people have today like do any come to mind that are exciting to you yeah first i
1: wanted to touch on the the quest three because i was getting that a lot too and i actually came to that conclusion the quest three is a better buy for 98 percent of people at 500 it's like close but it is like it is like the Quest 3 being like a, a Corvette Stingray. Like, it's just a dope, dope vehicle. But you, we're comparing it now to a Bugatti that just hit the market. And people yeah. are like, well, the Stingray can do a lot of what the Bugatti can do. It can almost go as fast. It can, like, you know, it, you know it's... But it is dramatically different. It is like... But it ain't no Bugatti. It, it, it's, no, it's no Bugatti. Um, this is the the most quality experience that exists in the category. And it's, it's not really even close. Um, but again, I recommend the quest three just because it's close to, like, mo- I recommend a Corvette to most people than going to like bankrupt. If you have to, to like get a Bugatti or whatever it might be it, it, Imperfect analogy, but, but you see what I'm saying? Um, yeah, as far as the content side, that was another reason I got it. It's like, can we create immersive content? And by the way, like spatial content, like live streaming, uh, like spatial live streaming or um, you know, VR content in general, 2D AR uh, pass-through content, like that's all coming 100%. There's just not enough consumption in these devices where like there would be any sort of like critical mass or I don't I don't think there's really anything that would like, there's no huge arbitrage opportunity. Meaning if I started making like spatial videos, yeah, people with the headset and soon it's going to come to the Quest 2 and the new V62 update and the Quest 3 and or whatever but yeah people with these headsets could consume it but they probably won't and right now in the vision pro there's no app like youtube doesn't have an app i think there's one by indie developer named juno that's pretty good that i have i don't know that it has support for like spatial consumption so there's like even if you were able to make these videos and make like really dope spatial tech videos or whatever it may be the audience would be tiny first of all and also i just don't know like what platform will you upload it on how are people going to consume it I I don't understand. It's unclear how that's going to work right now. So 2024, I don't think there's a lot of opportunity for that. But I do think in the next few years, that'll be a huge shift because you can imagine like actually somebody being with me in my studio and I'm talking to them, whether it be webinars, whether it be live streams, whether it be coaching, like there is going to be a massive shift to this uh, type of media. I just I just don't think we're that close yet.
0: So that's, that's where I was going with this is a massive opportunity. And potentially one of the first open lanes in social is for someone to build the social platform for consuming the 3d spatial video. Cause YouTube could create like a YouTube 3d splinter that you can upload this. And like, you can only download it through the quest or the vision pro and you watch the 3d there right now it's completely open. Right? So like When you and I did the recording, we we took 3D and basically scaled it down to a 2D experience and it was shaky as hell. And it was like really, honestly, those videos didn't do well because just a slight head movement by us and it was so jittery and shaky, literally meaning there's a moat against consuming the 3D content on a 2D environment. So there's like a built-in opportunity for someone to create the social platform for 3D. Because I can imagine like the same way there's, Creators that build like notion templates or like use Zapier to create these workflows There's a huge opportunity to show people how you're setting up the workflows in the vision pro so that you can be more productive But to show them in a 2d world on a youtube video isn't as compelling as this 3d Social frame where it's like a youtube for 3d where I can put them on and like watch them without the jitters and actually like really get a feel depth wise where things are plugged in so because it's small, that's why the big boys wouldn't go after it right now, which is why I think if you're a developer and want to play social and like you're like capable with VR, that's like a huge opportunity, I think. That'd be crazy I, if someone do it. I think it's that. a
1: huge opportunity until you know, one night at 3 a.m. and you look at your phone and notice YouTube or Instagram pushing yeah. an update and then your entire startup is killed overnight. So I would say it's a huge opportunity if you're able to move fast and can exit very, very quickly before the big boys come and, and destroy your business overnight. So that that's like... That's how I would think about that. If I were building it, I'm like, okay, we have like six months to rush, get as much adoption as possible, and then sell it to somebody. Uh, and then when the and then when that startup dies, it'll be in their hands, and we've already made money. All good, because um, I just I feel like, yeah, man, YouTube will definitely be building an app, and a offer for support for this once it hits critical mass. Meta just owning Instagram, they they will obviously be building support for this. So I I don't again like it's a, it's a big opportunity if you can move and exit quick or like move and just make yeah, a yeah. lot of money quick
0: so um, you think it's gonna be like like when you would watch when you would watch like blu ray dVDs you would you could pick i want to watch the normal format or i want to watch blu-ray it's gonna be like that for YouTube and Instagram on the headsets where like you're on youtube you, the YouTube app and you, someone recorded something spatial and it'll give you the option like do you want to watch this normally or like spatially
1: that's how I think I mean the good thing about spatial video is that it, it's it's similar to like cinema in your iPhone, they, they're capturing the depth, uh, data, but you don't have to like, for example, I can consume a spatial video in 2d and it's just a square video. So like if that yeah. popped up on my Instagram feed, even if I'm not consuming it on my headset, I can still like watch it. And it's still, uh, you know, there, there's not a lot of like friction or annoyance to that experience. Whereas right now I have a VR lens, but if I were to upload a VR video on the YouTube, you can't really watch it in 2d cause it's too big, uh, fisheye lenses. Um, So that's like one advantage um, when these platforms do add support for spatial video. It's like, I mean, we already had it with VR, where on YouTube, you can kind of like move your phone around, but it just wasn't that great of an experience. But now with spatial video, it's just like a 2D video you can watch, or if you happen to have a headset on, it's going to appear as 3D. Um, and And I still don't know how strong of an opportunity that will be. I just feel like after being in the Vision Pro, after seeing that Alicia Keys demo, dude, like live streaming spatial live streaming spatial video is going to be massive
0: i believe live streaming live dating imagine the dating apps on three like man right like like they're every that's why when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago and we were just guessing but like i it's confirmed now i think that every industry it's not that every industry all the existing players are going to go to zero it's just there's an entirely new vertical completely up for grabs that if they don't move fast or hire the right people who understand development in VR, someone else could build it. So like is match.com going to hire the VR expert from Google to build like Tinder, Tinder VR? They should like, will they, I don't know, but like could some random dude in Belarus that's amazing at, vr like build the next tinder that's a completely different probably so i love these platform shifts because it just gives you a complete fresh canvas to try to attack these legacy industries that you just couldn't beat them in the normal world like they're too entrenched
1: and dude it'll happen man i mean 20 years ago dating online was like the most taboo thing in the world you were like a weirdo and now it's just the most and it's funny when i'm reading i uploaded that video and collabed it with metaverse and like so many comments like this is so dumb it'll never catch on da, da, da. and it's like it's so funny that it works in the same cycle every single time people yeah. hating it at first and then in 10 15 years it'll be the norm and all the people hating on it will be like religious users of this thing um, yeah. so, so it is so funny to like witness these these cycles always happen but yeah man uh it'll it, right now if you came out with uh or match bumble one of these apps came out with Uh, Spatial dating it'll be ridiculed to no end but in 15 years that will be the norm for dating that will be the norm Like you're swiping instead of maybe swiping a profile. You might be swiping like a personalized video or
0: or I mean it's it's happening 100% and that's what so all of the startup gurus like the legends that made billions in the last cycle They all were like the only ideas that have outsized returns are the ones that seem insane today And right now anything we're talking about with vr other than watching movies sounds insane like Civil War reenactments, like you said, that's gonna be sick. Like when someone builds that, I guarantee there's gonna be a six ninety nine a month subscription where every month you get dropped a new scene in history, like exactly like you described. You're you're in it for two minutes, you're like high five in George Washington. Like that's gonna exist and people are gonna pay for that all day long. If they pay to listen to hardcore history, which is like an audio only experience that you have to close your eyes and imagine right, what yeah. it would be like. So yeah, it's crazy. I had one other thought on the Vision Pro and then we can move on. But this is a little this is a little out there, a little conspiracy tinfoil hat or not even a conspiracy. But so I was doing the math. There was like one hundred thousand headsets that Apple made. They charged 4K, but let's assume like their costs were 2K and they had like 50 percent margin. That's 200 million in costs. Obviously, they had all the R&D and like the headcount costs to build it. But let's assume they would have done that either way. They basically had to decide like when is enough for V1 to ship it. And really, in my mind, all they wanted, they wanted two things. One, they wanted to give developers enough traction, like enough of a product, but enough like signal that building here would make sense. Like we're going to play in this space for a while. And two, they wanted to start to build the groundswell movement around spatial computing. They wanted to start red pilling people into the idea that it it could be a thing. Not necessarily they're going to buy a $4,000 headset, but like start red-pilling them. So I was like, okay, they let's say they spent $200, 200 million on these headsets. And let's say every single one of them got returned, every single one of them. Apple makes $99 billion in, I think, top-line revenue a year. And I, I think I did the math that $200 million would have been 2% of their free cash flow for one year. And so I was like, I don't know if they intentionally did this. I think they
1: do that top line. I think they do that a quarter.
0: Oh, that might be a quarter. I think they're doing hundred
1: billion dollar quarters now. It's, it's absurd. Like, yeah, that's crazy.
0: Well, either way, the point is 200 million was like a drop in the bucket. Like it really was a rounding error, even if they had to eat all that cost. And so what I was thinking is like, in a way, this is just one big marketing campaign, because if everyone returned all of that, What they did was because they had a limited number of units and they sent them to all the creators and they knew creators were going to cover it, and then they put that live demo in the store, all they were doing is just top a funnel to get people into the store. Like they were creating this FOMO of like, well, you you intentionally can't have one because there's not enough for everyone to buy, but like, hey, we're going to offer you this crazy 25-minute demo that we would never do that nobody ever does for free if you just come into the store. And I literally think the whole purpose of the V1 rollout was not to make 200 million or whatever the profit was it was literally to create enough fomo to get more than 100,000 people into the store doing the demo so that those people were mind blown and would buy the V2V it's like the long game marketing play which i guess this isn't that radical of an idea but like holy shit like that's that's so smart if that's what they if they thought that intentionally
1: yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, in the V1 Apple is definitely probably not profitable. The amount of talent that it took to bring this to life over the last like 10 years of development and, and marketing budget, all that. Pro- I think it was, I think they made like 900 million top line selling these. So it's like already a billion dollar business. But for them, again, it's, yeah, it's a, you know, 100 million top line revenue per quarter. It's really just kind of a nothing, a wash. Um, but yeah, man, it was it's like the greatest. It was them saying, like, they could have waited another year and packed yeah. it with many more experiences and it'd be, but like it was them just saying like okay this is enough like we're happy where we are to show the world and everybody that's sort of in the tech space kind of understood wow like okay this is the future and they've sort of primed us and they're starting to prep us for them it's already like it's public knowledge you know uh, through patents and the the famed analyst i always forget his name ming, ming choi something like that he yeah. already said apple's already working on eyewear um, you know, that'll just be glasses and that's coming sometime towards the end, end of the decade, closer to 2030s. And they already have patented and they're working on contacts that'll probably be closer to the 2040s. And this is where it's going. Like this really is to me, I'm convinced that this is the, the future of computing where like your, your, your environment is, is sort of the canvas. Um, the, the confluence of AI too, like the immediacy, um, there won't be any, any lag when you're interfacing with AI and it'll be very very intelligent and so like it's very exciting right now in tech especially like building in tech over the next 20 years i just think there's massive opportunity as the improvement of hardware the improvement of uh, you know spatial computing and ai is all like coming together and it's going to end up in this confluence of just it- it- it's going to be incredible and be like crazy. the vision pro was a glimpse into that into that future
0: yeah i mean so i cuz i was thinking like they could have just made a thousand demo units, sent them to the MKBHDs for free, and been like, "Yo, go crazy and like, create chaos online." The but FOMO instead, would have been
1: crazy if they did that.
0: The FOMO <laughs> would have been crazy, but but I don't think you would have had that many people going to the Apple Store for the demo. But because because mm-hmm. think about like the way marketers structure stuff online they're trying to get your email address so they're like give you all this free stuff cuz they just want to capture your email address to sell you stuff later in a way the 25 minute demo is them capturing the customer email address for everyone that wouldn't have spent 4k so so by making it an outlandish price and by like having a super small number of units what they essentially did is like created this have and have not category. And the people that have not are like, well, I want to experience this. So they go to the store, they give their email to Apple. And now those people are thinking for the next year and a half, they saw that demo, which was insane. They they saw Alicia Keys up close and they're like, I want this. And I think it was just, it's such a smart rollout instead of the like toe in the water, a few demo units and like, see what we can do. Just Just brilliant marketing, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they're the most valuable company to ever exist, right? Like they just, when it comes to marketing, storytelling, product design, it's just they they have the best of the best in all categories. They have like a 300 million dollar, I think, cash moat now. They can go and acquire anybody. They can um, they can two three x anybody's salaries just to get the best talent. Uh, It's it, man. Apple is Steve Jobs, man. The DNA, his DNA runs through that that company still, and it's like what he built. It really is like that spectacular. It's like you cannot, it's just such a special company. So my my one worry, and then maybe we can move on to another topic, but somebody made this point and it's so true. It's like the data now that they're gonna capture is unbelievable. Even to the point like I'm wondering if they're tracking like so so when you see something, depending on if whether your reaction is fear, you know, allure, whatever it may be, your pupil uh reacts in certain ways. Right? Now they're gonna have all of this data and like the Yeah, I mean, I I used to think like Google has the most like intimate and and personal and most comprehensive and detailed data and like maybe Meta's up there. But I think Apple is probably going to be as close as anybody um, with the data that they're capturing. So I'd like to see like the privacy policy. Nobody really cares anymore nowadays, I feel like anyways, but it is something to keep an eye on or, you know, something to think about certainly moving forward.
0: The business opportunity number two, bill, uh, heat maps, visual heat maps, literally like it, you go from click through rate to see through rate. It's like, did someone look at that and look away? Like why, why did they, I didn't even think about the data, but that's a really good point. How, how are they even digesting that much data of like every micro movement of your eye? Like it's wild. Yeah,
1: I, I have no idea. I mean, they have thousands, if not tens of thousands of data scientists and freaking PhDs all day, every day building al- algorithms, tracking this. I mean, I, I don't know wh- where it all goes, but something yeah. interesting to to look at and, and to cover maybe moving forward.
0: Yeah, we'll keep you guys posted on the Apple Vision Pro, but for now we will cease with the Vision Pro content. I'm sure everyone's like had enough of it. I'm tired okay. of it.
1: Everybody's tired of it.
0: Come yeah, on. where should we go <laughs> next? So we've got a couple random a couple random build, uh, build uh, blueprint ideas. We can talk about the build-along thing. I actually think we should talk about the build-along thing because there's a, there's a good amount of stuff in there.
1: Yeah, let, let's talk about that because I want to see, uh, we can talk about the many chat integration and the opportunity there when used properly. Um, but yeah, go go ahead and, and frame it. Uh, I want to hear about your build-along, the experience there, the, the reaction, um, and what your plan is moving forward with
0: that. Yeah. So for people who don't, who never heard of the word build-along, basically had this idea that I wanted to create kind of like an under the surface companion long form video to explain the process of making a short form. So originally it was this idea of like, can I film myself live as I'm making it talking out loud in terms of like, oh, I'm writing this line. Why am I writing that? All that happens silently when we're alone. But I was trying to come up with a way to articulate my thoughts and the rationale for why I was sequencing things a certain way in the script and like with the making the editing choices So I filmed the first one, which was the Otani one, which I haven't put out yet. And it was really long because doing the live creation of it while I was filming and I would like have moments of silence and I have to edit that out later. It was very, it was a very long process to do. And so the second one I made on the Stanley Cup video, I figured I should only do it on videos that pop because people are going to want to hear the rationale for the ones that go viral. I should do it after the fact. So I know which ones go viral, but also I can keep it concise and like review my my steps basically. And so I made one on the Stanley cup video, which uh, the original video got like 6 million views on across Instagram and TikTok. And I made the build along about 45 minutes long and really went in depth on like, here's why I sequenced every line. Here's how I thought about the hook. Here's why I think this line worked. Here's what I would have changed. And then with the edit, here's what I combined with from a visual perspective with each line, I went really in depth on it. And so I had this like video asset And we were kind of talking on the podcast and like bouncing ideas back and forth. There were basically four ways I could have rolled it out. One is I could have just held it and made it a a part of a paid course. Like if we did a $400 course with 15 modules, that could have been a module. So I, I could have held it. I could have released it behind a free community paywall or not even paywall, just like an email wall. So all you had to do, I would make an announcement about it. You would put in your email, you'd get access to a free community. It would be in there. I could have released it on YouTube with zero promotion, just like post it on YouTube, let the algo take it or not. And then, four is what I chose to do, which is release it on YouTube, but then add gasoline via short form to see what we could make happen. And I can like quickly, just quickly run through like the pros and cons of each, because I think it's helpful if someone's kind of thinking about this. On the course side, maybe a course makes sense for us in the future, maybe not, but I didn't want to wait. I kind of wanted to like test. And the best way to test if there's demand for your course is like to make the best module and put that out for free and see if people resonate with it. If they do, that's a good signal that they would buy your course. If they don't, that's a good signal that you're either not framing the information right or your information is not as valuable as you think. So I didn't want to do that. In terms of putting it behind the paywall or the uh, community with the emails, I think making a free community makes sense. And I'm going to do that. I can explain like the thinking behind and like what I want to do with it. But for this first one, I wanted to create as low friction as possible. I didn't even want people to have to sign up for their email. I just wanted them to click one button and start watching it. And so that didn't make sense either. I also didn't want to have to go through the process of setting up the community and getting in my own way of like waiting for that, waiting to understand the software tool before I put it out. So it kind of came down to, do I just throw it on YouTube or do I put gasoline? Right now, YouTube if you know, when you're growing the YouTube channel, like it's very possible that your thumbnail title misses and then this would have just only gotten 200 views and would have been buried in the internet abyss. So I was kind of like, what's the best way that I can increase chances of success? What I've seen on Instagram is most people put out a YouTube video and then they'll make an Instagram story with the thumbnail or like a, a screenshot from it. And they'll say, hey, I made this video, watch it here. And I think people do get clicks from the stories, but I don't think it's that significant. Like I would guess it's less than 1% of the impressions on the story or like way less than 1%. And so I was gonna do that, and I did end up doing that, but I wanted to do something else. And so I was like, okay, if I make a a dedicated Instagram Reel, which I know can get 50 to 100,000 views, how do I make a Reel and then get that traffic from the Reel to YouTube? Because if you just make a Reel and then your call to action is just like, check it out on YouTube, my links in bio, people don't click in the bio. I I just don't think that ever that ever works, so I use this thing called ManyChat. Which have you used ManyChat before? Yep. So I never used it before, and it's actually really easy to use. And basically, ManyChat allows you to build workflow automatic workflows within Instagram. So the workflow I set up was like, at the end of the video, I said, "Comment Stanley if you want me to DM you the YouTube link," and everyone who commented Stanley, it automatically sent them a DM from me that was like, "Hey." here's the link right here, click the button, bang, right to YouTube. And I kind of like, I set this up because I wanted to test it, but I assumed, I was like, who's going to comment, like who's going to comment for this? This thing got 3,500 comments. Like many chat, the free account has a thousand replies and I hit the thousand free replies in an hour and I was stupid and didn't set up the pro account. So there was like a few hours where people were commenting and I wasn't sending them the DM because I like ran out of I can't believe it went so fast. So then I opened up the free and got unlimited, and like it's it's still going. But just like to cover the stats, that video is at like 120,000 views, 3,500 comments. I sent the DM 1,500 times, and that's with the fact that I missed like a few key hours. Of the 1,500 times, there was a 64 percent open rate of that DM, which is. I mean, insane. Like, I I don't think you can get 64% with anything but text. Like, text would be the only format. And part of me is, like, is the reason why people just want to clear the notification. But, like, that is, I guess, how DM, that is why it's good, right? Because you get a notification, you get a message, the message feels, you know, people were thanking me for the message because it felt like it was coming one-to-one. So, huge open rate on the DM. And then, I think of the people that opened it, maybe 13% clicked the link to YouTube, which... Ended up being like 150 or 200 people, I think, at the end of the day, which isn't really a lot, but it's way more than I would have got on the story. And because of all that inbound traffic onto the YouTube video, I think it helped the YouTube algorithm pump it, and now it's at like maybe 3,000 views on YouTube. So that was like a bit of a long winded way of saying it, but I think my take is, like you, you always say this: DMs are amazing. DMs are like where everything goes down in the DMs, like you said and i think many chat is an extremely underrated tool like if we could own a piece of equity in many chat that's like one of the top tools on the list that cuz i loved using it however if every single video you're like comment x below to do y i do think it comes off a little internet marketing a little scammy and so you have to like balance how many times you you pull it you pull that that trigger but you can do many chat in stories as well like you can set up workflows not just in posts so Any, any thoughts based on that, that walkthrough? I think you nailed it.
1: Many chat is a, is a huge opportunity. If you're not using it, you should. And again, just find that balance, use it gently, use it to uh, bring value to your audience. Um, Now, my one thing is if I were you, and again, there's, there's an element of a gamble here, but like, say you're going to be doing that Taylor Swift Super Bowl one that we know is going to go nuclear, have it like, instead of making a separate video, to promote then the build along, have it as part of that video. So like the first uh, sentence in the caption is like comment Taylor, if you wanna learn about how I, for free, how I structure a video or or whatever it may be. And you could also add it as a four second call to action at the very end. Cause I don't know what your numbers are, but like sometimes even on my most viral videos, I, I get this data on TikTok, but like the people that watch to the end, it's usually like around 10% and that's like good. It's probably even single digits. So you can imagine like the 10% uh, give or take of people that do watch to the end of that nuclear video, there's a call to action there. They're more likely since you sucked them in for the whole time, they're more than likely to, to comment that below. And then you also have it in the first sentence. So I would, and again, there's an, again, there's an element of, of a gamble. Cause you don't know what's going to go nuclear or what's not, but I feel like you have, you can make an educated guess with like the data and, you know, your experience up to now. So I feel like you nailed it. But if you do it instead of a separate video, if you do it on the actual nuclear video, have two call to actions—one in the first line, one at the end of the video—then you're gonna, you know, maybe get ten, thirty, fifty thousand YouTube views. And over time, say you do like one a week or a month or whatever it may be, like that'll compounds. compound really, really quickly, and it builds that connection, that affinity.
0: So on the Stanley, on the the Stanley one that went viral, I did. I added a mini chat workflow and I pinned a comment, but it was way too late. Right. Cause it was like seven days after. So the majority of the traffic was gone. The tough part is I'm, I'm just not fast enough with the editing. So what I'll have to do yeah, is It takes a lot of time I'll, to
1: build. I mean, that was pretty comprehensive, like the build along for sure.
0: Yeah. Very comprehensive. And like I, I edited the first couple minutes to be like high retention. I also put like a bunch of I didn't put that much B-roll, but like I had moments where I like said, like lesson number one, whatever. So I think what I'm going to try with the Taylor Swift one, because I, I like that idea, maybe I'll just, I'm going to make the video, the short, I'm going to dial it, get it done. Then I'm going to just film a raw stream of conscious build along, almost no edit, like at all. And maybe I'll, it'll be 30 minutes long and I'll do the same format that I did for the Stanley one, but I'm not going to edit it. And then I'm going to put that out on YouTube. And yeah, it's it, I don't even think that's really a gamble because if it just does, doesn't do well on youtube it doesn't do well on youtube that's fine but it's more like if i spend a lot of time crafting that edit on the build along and then it doesn't do well i'll be i'll be sad but uh yeah i think it's a really good idea the thing is i don't want to spend that much of my time rehashing the shit i've already done you know so like you know how people always say like if you were so good at the skill why are you spending time trying to sell a course to others to do it. You should just be using the skill for yourself to make more, you know, like that. So it's, it's kind of a way, it's a weird way where it's like, I could use the four hours to make another video versus just talk Correct. about what I already did. Yeah. So that's the balance. That's the tough part of like, how do I, how frequently do I do this?
1: Yeah. It's like the, the guy who crypto trading is so lucrative that instead I'm making so much money crypto trading that instead of instead of spending any time doing that, I'm just going to teach you how to do it instead.
0: Yeah, that's how <laughs> exactly lucrative that. it is,
1: right? Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think we should experiment with maybe is use the same. So two two different experiments, maybe three. One is next time do it behind an email paywall. So you're you're DMing somebody. It's like in and in many box I think has this native many box many chat has like this <laughs> yeah. native. Um, Box style integration where you just give them your email and then like it, it automates the link So try yeah. one where you're capturing email just to try to get like data and compare like what's the best strategy I would put one behind like a free community where it's like free, but you have to sign up Whether it be yeah. school or something else I would also maybe try if you're gonna make the taylor swift one. Don't worry about making one just the first sentence comment, Taylor, if you want to learn my process on making these viral videos. Uh, and then, and just, like, and then get link back to, to the exi- to the existing one. So like, you don't have to create oh, see, a I brand see. new one because t- it's like it's pretty similar. You're using a lot of the same frameworks. So like you yeah. could link back to uh, the Stanley one from the Taylor one, and it would still be that interesting because even though it's not the exact same video, it'll probably be like a similar format and style. So you don't necessarily have to craft another one just to get that data, just to see how well a first line in the caption uh, would
0: work, would convert. Yeah, this, it's a good point. Now yeah. that I have the Stanley one, I can just like keep hammering it, right? Like in hundred percent. Yeah. In the link. That's a good call. So I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to experiment with that. I think the, the whole idea of make something super dope and then talk about how you made it. Don't like give, I mean, the, like not advice. It's just like me breaking down the, it's like the iceberg strategy. Everybody sees above the water. I'm going to show you what's below the water and then just putting that out. I think there's something there for sure like i could there's probably a seven figure business just doing that if if i wanted to figure out a way to monetize to squeeze the monetization juice out of it but for now well, i want to keep testing it for sure
1: to your point like i want to shout out actually Kyle Nutt he's like this young filmmaker and i think he's he's cracked this model like uh, first of all he's just unbelievably talented so he's got that going for him as well like not a lot of people could do what he's doing but He goes out and he makes a short film and it's like a passion project. It's not paid. It's not a brand deal. He just makes these dope short films that they go insane on social media, like nuclear on every, like you go to TikTok, you go to YouTube, you go to Twitter, wherever he posts them, they just go crazy. He's got the juice. He's just got the formula. And then he uses that. And then he does a making of right. And then the making of also goes insane. So he's, he's not only doing the, the, the actual film, then he's doing a making of then he's doing like a YouTube behind the scenes and everything is flowing back to his, I think he has a course called like Vertical Video Pro. But like everything flows back to that so, so well where the top of funnel are these videos that people just love and they like adore him now. Like he's got a cult fandom because of these videos that he's been making for like three years now. Um, and then they follow him to the long form where he explains the behind the scenes and shows up. And then in that long form, he uses then to, to promote like the course. But he's given out so much for free that he develops that trust where I'm like, yo, these videos are so fire. I've learned so much. I need to like, if the free shit is that good, imagine what the paid stuff is. I think that's the mindset for most people. I think he's easily uh, built a a multi seven figure business just doing that. And he spends his time getting to just make the films that he wants to make. Yeah. I I got to, I got to study. I got to study
0: it. Does he, are the, are the films that go viral? Are they vertical first or are they horizontal first? They're,
1: they're vertical first, and so the behind the scenes he'll he'll usually have like another short to follow it, but then he has a horizontal long form that where he goes deeper into depth.
0: And he's shooting though he's shooting the horizontal as he's doing the vertical, or does he have yeah, a? Yeah, so he's with shooting
1: him? he's shooting like he's got people, and he's shooting like the horizontal behind the scenes, maybe a camera set up on a tripod, or he has somebody else like doing the B roll. Um, yeah, but the actual films are shot
0: are shot vertical. That's sick! I got to check yeah. him out. No, he, That's very he's, cool.
1: He's one of the best in the game right now, I think. He's like super cracked it. Again, like, he hasn't just figured out like this funnel. He's, you know, he's not just like a super operations guy. He's also just happens to be incredibly talented. Like, his stuff is, it's like, it's brilliant filmmaking techniques, whether it be lighting, acting, angle. Like, he, great cinematographer. But he also knows what hits on social, right? Like, they, they're a very There, It's a dangerous combination, man. And he's also, um, like he just understands how to kind of hack people's psyches, uh, and what's relevant in today's day and age for certain age group. Like he's just very study him, man. He's he's. I think he's cracked it better than than almost any creator
0: that I've seen. I'm gonna study him. That's put that one down. I'm gonna study him. We'll we'll pull some topics from for next time from that. I love that idea. I, I think so. On the on the community thing, this is what I'm thinking. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use school because I want to I want to trial it and e- the email only list. yeah email list that's basically what school is right it's effectively an email list with a sexy community forum thing on top more or less or i don't even know if it's sexy i wouldn't just even like say sexy forum. bro i
1: would yeah <laughs> that's the one thing yeah. about school i'm in i'm in greg eisenberg shout out greg and it's all but like the ui the whole it, school feels like it's 20 years ago like Does it? Using the i internet haven't even opened like, it try it man it feels like you're using the internet in like 2002 with like static little forums and, and message boards. It just feels feels so outdated, but the email yeah. capture is very valuable.
0: So th- this is what I want from it. I only want to offer three things. One is I'll post the behind-the-scenes stuff there. Well, I guess before I even get into this, this is my thinking is I have this theory that putting any content behind a wall is dumb because the whole idea of content, you if you have if you have a sailboat and there's no wind, your sailboat's just sitting there. If you if wind comes along, you're like, "Fuck yeah, wind." Like we're going fast. Why would you want to turn away from wind? And and algorithms are wind. So it's like to to take your content that can get pushed by a force that's not you and purposely put that under the surface where it can't be pushed means less people will see the content means that content's not working for you optimally. So I've always thought like it's dumb to gate any knowledge, any content. All of that should be above the surface getting pushed as much as possible. And what you should gate or, or charge for is access to you or uh, a product. I mean, I guess technically a, pr- a digital product is knowledge, but you get what I'm saying. Like If you're making a piece of content, for example, like people who write paid newsletters where only the subscri- only the paying subscribers can read it. By default, your ideas are not being spread to everyone which means it's much harder for other people to find you and pay for your thing. So you have to now make two sets of content. You have to make content for the paid people below the surface so all your best ideas get no light. And then you have to make other content above this. Su- I feel like it's just, a, it's just a backwards thing. So, and I, I could be wrong, and I'm, I'm happy to hear a debate on this, but I just feel like you're you're swimming upstream by taking your content and putting it behind a wall. And so even if that wall is an email, like a free community, if I take the build along that could have gotten 10,000 views or 10,000 eyeballs who saw my stuff on YouTube and now only 300 people are seeing it, is that is that worth it? Especially if it's free, like I'm getting I'm getting no monetization back from the 300 people. Yeah, so I, I've always thought like using the, I'm gonna post this content behind this wall as a perk is actually hurting me. So I don't know if that's the right perk, but um, I don't know if you want to respond to that before I go through the, my thoughts on the community thing.
1: Yeah. I'm actually, I'm a little conflicted. I don't know if that there's a right answer. Um, funny enough. So today I was scrolling my feed like short stash. He's a, one of my favorite photographers. I think he's very, very talented. Yeah. He's like a Canon, like they literally just pay him yearly just to uh, represent <laughs> them. Um, so he, he put out like a video where he's like promoting his paid subscription group in, within Instagram. And it's like $5 a month. And it's true. Like, even if, even if you get a lot of people and it becomes like profitable, it's then like, okay, if you have something really, really valuable to share, it's like, do you want to put it in that group or do you want to post it for the discoverability for the added, right? Like, I think that would probably be more added to your brand long uh, term. But at the same time, like, I feel like the original ethos of the internet was like supporting the creators that you just love. And so... Um, like with ShortSash, I'm just gonna sign up five bucks a month just to like support him because he's dope. Like I, I like yeah. him. You know, I haven't met him, but I consider him a friend. We we DM, we chat. Um, the same with like Coffeezilla. He has like a Patreon group that I pay him like five bucks a month, but just to support his work. Maybe not like he doesn't need it anymore. I think now he's just fucking crushing it. So so maybe I'll, yeah. I'll take that back. <laughs> um, but there's nothing in that paid group that's ever gonna bring me value like maybe some, maybe I'd be able to like the, de- I, I don't know. I don't like, I just do it to support the creators that I love. Same as like Mr. Beast. I think he has like a $5 subscription on YouTube. And he literally says what you get in return. Nothing. I just need your money to fund my videos. And he's getting, so I feel like that was the original ethos of sort of like being a creator on the internet. Like just people supporting you cause they, they fuck with you. And so, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I have to ask like short stash. If there's a strategy there, I'd definitely be like taking a look. Um, but i'm i'm curious is he looking at it as like i i can make money here or is he looking at it let me just do this for my su- i don't i don't know so I, I really don't know the answer it's it's something uh worth a continued discussion um
0: yeah.
1: because I, I i see pros and cons in both ways in both directions. i really like
0: what you just said gave me a little idea which is like why for blueprint, I put a lot of time into that and I love it. And I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to get paywallet because I want my ideas to be spread as much as possible. But like, why don't I just add like, Hey, if you're getting something from this and you want to pay me 10 bucks a month, like as a thank you, feel free. You don't have to, yep. but like just exactly. to throw it out. And I feel like a lot of people actually would because there's a weird thing about like taking a lot of value from someone and not giving them something back where you almost feel like obligated to do so. I don't want people to feel that way, but just like human psychology is kind of that way. And so, yeah, that, that's a, that might be an option too for the community where it's like any content per se, I'm not going to, I'll put it both places. I'll put it in the community of people like consuming it within school, but I'm also going to put it on YouTube so that it can spread. But yeah. what I was going to say is the, the most valuable things in a community, I think are the network of other people in there if they're active And access to the person that you couldn't get access to, like access to me or you, that you couldn't get access to if you weren't a part of a smaller group that that person Mm -hmm. spends time in. And so, that's literally all I wanted to do in the school was try to curate it, so or not even curate it, but try to angle it so that the people that were in there were creators and entrepreneurs, so they could help each other, and you know maybe like form some channels that they can talk, but like not me have to talk every single day. And two i i love this like live form brainstorm podcast where you're you're really not prepped and you're just like reacting i love doing that and so i i just want to host like live calls once a month where anybody in that community which is free can just jump on the call and whoever raises their hand or will pick a number or whatever comes up and like it's just live consulting like they just come on and they just ask me whatever they want to ask me and we do it together while everyone's listening so everyone's getting value you can record those and then put them on youtube or just record them and put them in the in the free community but like to me that wasn't that's not like intentional content that i'm spending a ton of time doing that i'm going to throttle that's like kind of access to me so i really like that and i think there's a lot of value in just that if that's all you offered in a free community people would still you know like it
1: yeah yeah i mean i think even paid commu- there's so one-on-one consulting i don't know if i'm going to charge like half an hour for my time maybe i'll do like 400 bucks something like that right and so like a paid community is a way to do that at scale like, yeah it's like mass consulting at scale. Um, to your point, like in Unsigned, we do that and people love it. But I just, I, I, it's in circle. It's the same as school. Like I hate it. I'm not in there. I'm active. I hate like opening. It up. And so like my other thing is like, oh, maybe a free Discord community. Because I love the live, the live banter. Like it feels more alive. But then that's also such a time sink. I did that with Metaverse for like two years. And like the amount of time that it takes to run and operate a community and like keep people so active is like beyond the full. So like I'm now thinking Instagram has a real lot, like I wish, cause I'm looking at all these community platforms and I don't really love any of them. There's so many so, like, you know, it's like, what if Instagram built a community platform with the built in network effects? Everything's already kind of like that. To me, that's a huge opportunity. Why don't, and, and of course they can do a million things or Facebook and they have groups and they have, you know, they have like things that are, that are, that are kind of in this area, but they should just build like a school or a discord or whatever, uh, some sort of competitor to these platforms. Because you already have the built-in network effects, I think that would be, I would use that over anything else, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, it really
0: hasn't been solved, like that whatever. It hasn't that, whatever that solved, is. not been solved, I don't love platform. any of the platforms. I think school designed the forum-based the, or the forum-based thing. It's by design because I think they're going away from the rapid-fire Discord chat. Everybody's reacting with emojis. It's like there's there's values in both. I got burned out with the discord stuff just like you did where I was like, I can't manage this. Like there's just too yeah, many messages, dude. too many notifications, too much crazy. like crazy on the screen. So another idea I had is cause basically, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not in the philanthropy business. Like we're in the attention business. So really it's like, how can we provide as much as much free value so that X happens, something happens later. And if let's just say that thing is getting emails from people who are signing up for the free community, so that we could if we launch something in two years they'll buy let's just say what's like the the most optimal way to drive the most emails of the right people one way is like making a dedicated reel and pushing it which i'll try to do but another way is to like sample the product so if the product is these like 50 person zoom calls like you and i going live on instagram with one other person that we're like helping and just doing and like showcasing to the world, like, hey, millions of people that follow us, we're just going to do this, but we're going to do it over here. So like, if you want to come, come. I actually feel like that will work really well. And the reason why I'm saying you want to point people to school instead of just doing it live on Instagram, A is because you want to capture the emails, but B, I don't think Instagram is as good as Twitter spaces in terms of like the ability to bring people up on stage and like frame it in a way. It's just not built for that. It's more. It seems like it's more built like you and I to just talk if we want to talk and people listen. So, I think there's the problem is people hate people on Instagram hate Twitter and the Twitter Spaces is the only option to do this. So there's also a gap here, right? Of like, how do you do this live kind of coaching, consulting with a bunch of people watching and get them to a free community that's not on Twitter? So I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out that workflow, but we have a lot of value to offer and a lot of people want it. So I'm just trying to figure out what do we do? Does school have
1: a live streaming product? I'd assume they do. Cause, cause we know. did it on zoom the other day. I remember with like Mr. Grateful dude, people were like, they still DM me like, thank you for putting that together. Like it, it like changed some people's lives. They were um, grateful. They were very, very grateful for Mr. Grateful. <laughs> and so that is one thing that I do love. I love that format live stream where it is consulting at scale. Um, because if somebody has a question or a thought, or they want to get some feedback or advice on a specific thing, more than likely others in that call are also going to have that question. So your, your help. So again, that, I, I do love the, the whole idea. Um, but yeah, once, once I was like playing around with school, I was like, this feels and granted, uh, ovens, I think is the name of the guy. And I'm sure he has a talented team. And over the next few years, especially with the new infusion of capital they'll they'll make a much better product. But as of right now, I was very unimpressed. I was like, this yeah. feels like 1998, like AOL, like this is very, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, the interest but there like, is definitely something to- there and Instagram with the many chat, uh, integration. That is the discovery vehicle. That is the, the vehicle to drive, uh, people into that, into that ecosystem.
0: 100%. If you were to live stream today, how would you do it? Because there's a variety of different format. Like it- in theory, if we had, a, if this was a call in show and people called in, that's basically live streaming yeah. and the difference Which is you actually
1: can Riverside has that, uh, you can do that in Riverside. So we actually should try that one day. We're going to yeah. be recording a podcast live. Here's the link to watch live. And then you can actually raise your hand in the lobby because I, I've done that before and it's actually pretty fun. It's dope.
0: And you pop in, if you raise your hand, you pop in, you show up on the screen visually or no. It's yeah. just audio. So
1: uh, that's I just dope. thought of it live, live creative brainstorm idea. We should actually, that could be a real idea where it's like, we're going to be hosting uh, a live podcast. Uh, if you want to call in and be on the podcast, just here's the link or, you know, maybe many chat comment this for the link and just raise your hand, ask a question. Like we could bring people up. That yeah. That's fun. Dope. That, yeah. so
0: I, I want to do that. Like I, I want to do this live consulting thing. If Riverside's the best way, I mean, let's definitely test Riverside. I'm what like how else would you do it other than Riverside? Is there any other? I mean, you do.
1: T- Gary Vee's been doing Twitch. So uh, mm, I've
0: never gone on Twitch.
1: He's he's seeing a lot of opportunity right now. I will. I mean, obviously, in live stream, it is uh, it is the best way to build affinity. The the top the top creators with the most cult like fandom audience today are all live streamers. They're all live streamers. Um, and so Gary Vee, I think, is like realizing this. And so now he's doing like a weekly Twitch, and then uses broadcast channel. Maybe his, his text message community platform to let people know when he's gonna stream and he's like been building a big audience there and that is basically him just taking questions from the audience. So it is like live. Let's just so- do that.
0: <laughs> Let's just do that. Yeah, I mean Twitch that sounds Kick. pretty
1: sick. Kick is another big one.
0: Um how do you get going on Twitch in terms of like obviously you press record or like you turn the camera on? That's not but like how do you go from zero people like how do you let anybody know to go from zero that so people um, start watching you? Is there a discoverability I, into the platform?
1: probably but it's i'm assuming it's extremely difficult right but um yeah i use obs and i set up my whole thing when i was running like metaverse i would do like some live twitches so i I think i have like a thousand followers or something on twitch i just never use it but i've been thinking about it a lot too it's like i should yeah we could experiment with that like once a week we're just on twitch and it's like yo we're gonna spend an hour here come hang out um gary v's been doing this where he hits up his broadcast channel He's like, come hang out on Twitch. I'm, I'm going to be live for the next hour. Comment that you're here from Instagram so I can shout you out or whatever to like add that extra yeah, he's extra smart. juice. He's, he's, um, Gary knows. But Gary knows, man. And he's got like a team of 30 that just study this stuff all day long, every day. Uh, so um, when I was Dude, building let's do, apps, let's we'd do that. always let's do say that. it's like if Facebook does something, might as well just copy it because they have a thousand Data scientists again on their team studying this, and so they have the data. We'll just use their data. So like we can use Gary V as a barometer as well. I'd be down to do a Twitch session for sure. I, I love live streaming actually. I enjoy do you it have a lot. to
0: use OBS or like you used OBS? So you could cut different angles, but if you just have one, can you just have it like st- static up? Or you can what?
1: yeah. You you don't need to use OBS. You can just go live on Twitch. I like the OBS integration because you can you know customize it, have like different widgets. Um, yeah. I gave it to my buddy because I wasn't streaming, but I had, like, a
0: stream. Oh, yeah, the stream deck? called
1: Elgato Stream Deck. I'll probably yeah. get that back if we start doing it. And it's cool because you can go, like, if you need to, if you need to just take a five-minute break, okay, baby's crying, you can hit a thing, and it'll do, like, the BRB scene. Um, but I actually think, I don't know. If, we should do well, this. Let's look at it. But Twitch or Kick, because Kick right now is super, super hot. Um, YouTube also has it, the same thing. And people are moving over to YouTube, and it has, like, built-in discoverability and odd. i don't i don't know what's right was wrong
0: can you so if you go on kick you can't like export the stream and put it somewhere else or how does that work like there is can, multi-streaming
1: like- yeah you can multi-stream as well um uh, most of the big people don't do it because they ha- they'll have like exclusive contracts and i do think yeah. the platforms penalize you if you do that they don't give you like the full payout so like usually people just pick one uh but just starting so this- out you can you can multi-stream
0: this is very interesting to me because anytime that there's a, I mean, we're of course we're late already or not, not late, but like, this has been happening. It's not like we're rocket scientists discovering this, but like anytime there's a meta shift in the delivery of information, but the niche you're in doesn't do it yet, huge opportunity. So like we are like entrepreneur creators. I can't think of a single person I've ever seen promote. Hey, I'm going live on besides Gary Vee now. Hey, I'm going live on Twitch to like answer questions about, creating content, entrepreneurship, I haven't heard any. So, I mean, let's do it.
1: Let's do it. Totally an opportunity. I'd I'd, I'd be curious more. And like, I'd love to gather this data by doing as well. Be curious more about how Gary Vee, again, like everything's a trade-off in that hour, he could have been doing a, uh, you know, a piece of content or three pieces, or actually Knowing Gary V, he's just making content out of the Twitch yeah, yeah. streams. They're so, recording I mean, it. Somehow. Yeah, 100 percent And they're repurposing it and he's got a team of thirty. So everything is Yeah, man. Uh shout out Gary V, bro, by the way. I think he's probably the most if you can think of one person who's been the most instrumental and influential in this in these last fifteen years this era of like creator land, it's Gary V. I don't, I don't him, think everybody sure. else is close. So shout for out Gary.
0: Sure. And I honestly think if I don't think what his V friends thing was that big of a miss, but like if he hadn't done that I think some people are like, why did he do that? And he made a ton of money doing it. But, he, but take that aside. All he's done is give. Like, he just give, 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 give. He just gives everything away. So, uh, yeah. BeFriends is like, Be he's,
1: he's from the beginning. Like, the, to, to, to come to, like, kind of like Gary's defense, not that you're attacking him, but, like, from the very beginning, he's like, 99.9% of these things are completely garbage. It's the same yeah, as a trading card business that I love. He's like, for every MJ rookie card, there is 10 million worthless pieces of cardboard that nobody's ever gonna like. So he said that from the beginning. And also with V Friends, he's like, I am going to be building this for the rest of my life. And I think he will. Like he's gonna turn this and so um he didn't say anything he didn't over promise. He didn't say anything wrong.
0: Yeah, he didn't do um, anything wrong. He didn't do anything. And wrong. by the way, I'm I think v, v Friends the like their
1: floor, even though I haven't checked like NFT prices for like a year. But I'm assuming their floor is still higher than the original price, which was I think zero point five. I'm assuming yeah. that they're much higher than, than zero point. So like, I think, um, yeah, when I look at V friends, I was like huge payday, right? Like he's probably made 200 huge. plus million dollars from that. If not more, like I haven't checked the yeah. trading volume, but, um, he's one of and the guys that kind of like conference. did it. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, he he's one of the guys <laughs> that kind of did it right. Like he, he didn't from the beginning, he was like, this is a 20 year. If you're going to gamble on a one or two year horizon too bad. Like, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. That whole thing is interesting. One day we'll have to have a a reflective pod on that era, like twenty one, twenty two, like the NFT craze.
0: Yeah, what a wild time that was. Well, this this is a this is like a super quick signal into how much value or like how much weight Gary still has. So he dropped V Friends one, like you said, those were. I mean, that was one of the best NFTs you could have bought for the utility, also for the price action, whatever. So then V friends two came out, which was the companion collection. That was a huge, huge payday. You launched a bunch of those. When you bought that, you got a pack of his trading cards or like you got that for free that would come out a few months later. So I bought one, I got the trading cards. I kept them sealed, didn't open them. Mm. And a year later, I sold those trading cards on eBay for like 500 bucks. like like for 10 packs so that just shows you like how much value his or like how deep the cult runs for like gary's stuff people someone was willing to pay 500 dollars for like his trading cards that he just created out of thin air two years before so it's it's kind of it's kind of wild
1: there was a huge run of basketball cards my brother-in-law is like hooked on this so you know like uh but 2021, Gary Vee was running these things up using his platforms. And, like, they exploded. Just literally Gary moves markets. And the he same does. with NFTs. I don't know if you remember that, that famous podcast with that Logan was Paul was talking about this. And he's like, one day, he was talking to Mr. Beast on his podcast. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, one day, Gary Vee hit us all up. There was, like, 50 of the most influential people in the world on this call and he implored everybody to buy cryptopunks. And like overnight Gary V just made cryptopunks this thing and they became like a, like it's so yeah. funny how sentiment works cuz it's all just it's all just creating sentiment and being influential enough to do so. And um yeah man, he he's one of the few guys that can literally move markets. Like he he tomorrow can put out a video WNBA cards about to go nuts and yeah, the WNBA and will. card market it'll explode. Yeah. So that's like, that's
0: that's a, that's honestly that's a real iconic. power man. Yeah. That's iconic. That's so crazy. Yeah. So on the, to wrap this topic, we, I want to do the live streams. The, the question is, and you were hitting at this is kind of like, if you think about the podcast as a package, you could, we could do it live stream where it's us just talking, but broadcasting live. We could do it live stream where it's us with people coming on stage and interacting or asking us questions that we're answering and broadcasting live. We could do it the way we do now, which is just us talking, recording we could do it a call-in show, I guess call-in show is live, but like there's so many different formats with how you could do it. And I think it's helpful to analyze strategically, like what's the best bang for a buck for our time. But I agree. I think live stream is even more depth than long form audio, which or long form video, which is the most depth, the
1: most, without a doubt. So if that's
0: the most depth and we're looking for depth, then say no more.
1: I'm (laughs) telling you, man, the most cult fandom is, uh, uh Kai Sinat is Pokimane is Dr. Disrespect is um the these are the creators that I they they can sell anything and sell out anything and like the amount of influence and pull and power that they have is is absurd. I would yeah. say like the only non live streamer that has the same actually more is is obviously Mr. Beast but he's you know he's an outlier he's his own category. But live streamers run the shit. Like they just do, they run the internet.
0: The only, the only thing holding me back from live stream, from having held me back before from live streaming is that I just assumed if I tweeted out or if i let's say we made an Instagram reel, you and I each, and we're just like, we're going to go live. That, that would probably get 250,000 impressions or views on Instagram. I just assumed like the overlap of people that watch Twitch and that are like active on Instagram is not tight. And so we just wouldn't drive a ton. Like I, I just assume I like picture my wife and I'm like, she would never click a Twitch link. So like sh- no one would, but like, that's obviously super naive. I bet, I bet it's much, it would be much easier for us to build a few thousand people on there. Well, than- we,
1: we try it. I think a reel is probably the wrong format just cause time. It's like, if you're scheduling something, the views come in staggered over a longer period of time. I think it's broadcast channel. And another reason, um, I'm going to try Like so that giveaway that I did was crazy. I want to try to do a lot more. All these brands like sending me free shit that I'm not going to, they're like, I'll send you something to make a video. And I'm like, I probably won't make a video, but you can send it. And they send it. Um, but I just want to give those away on like my broadcast channel. And that could be the vehicle to like grow the broadcast channel that could then funnel people into like Twitch streams or so. It's like, it's all a flywheel speaking of this. Cause I want to get into this like, w- like newsletter. Cause I wanted to talk about it last episode. Yeah. What are, what do you see like personal versus like a more professional newsletter? So candidly, I want to take my newsletter now and I just want to make it, um, Kind of you know, published press from Colin and Samir. I think they do a yeah, good yeah. job, but it's all like create. It's all like YouTube creator. There's not like anything yeah. else really. So I want to do more a general like creator with a specific focus on emerging tech, like how creators are using emerging tech to advance their business. Yeah. Um, and I almost want to be like, should I just make it? Uh, should I just create that? Make that newsletter like a little more professional. Maybe hire a, a writer researcher and then have a growth loop behind it. So it's like spark loop where i have I run like a bunch of Facebook ads, Instagram ads, make a bunch of content, go to the newsletter, many chat integration. When they get to the newsletter, have like Spark Loop, and then they. So basically, like, say I'm getting like eighty cents for a reader. So sorry, my my brain is all over the place.
0: No, I'm tracking. But them. I was
1: talking to this newsletter guru, and this is what he does. He runs Facebook ads. They're about eighty cents per reader, but every but he's making about a dollar for every reader on average just, through just the Spark from Loop integration. Yeah, so he's actually like. So, so it's he's a, actually making money 20 glitch. cents. It's an infinite money glitch. I don't think it's going to exist for much longer. This news, the newsletter is going to be like this bubble. Everybody's like doing it now because they've discovered yeah. it. But we have a unique, unique angle where we have like this short form thing pop in. Everybody's doing it on Twitter. I don't think it's working that well anymore. Like these threads, if you like more of this, follow the newsletter. I'd imagine yeah, that's work. hitting like criti- criti- So we have like a unique angle to hit it from. So like what, um, what everybody, bro, like what Greg Eisenberg, what, the uh, Sampar and um, Sean Piri, the the millions of gurus, uh, what's his name, um, Sahil Bloom, what everybody's done via Twitter, we can kind of emulate through Instagram. I think that's 100%. a winning formula. Um, so, food for thought. So th-
0: this is this is this is what I would do. So I was I was considering launching a second newsletter that uh, not, I really like your idea, not creator focused. I was going to do like basically like all the sawdust that isn't B- blueprint that I come up with. So like business ideas and trends or like McDonald's is something crazy. Let me break it down. Like it's something that I wouldn't talk blueprints more like me. And then there's all this right. other shit that's like the world. And I was going to talk about it. So let's assume I do that. You do the creator thing. We both have these like niche focused things, like just, just for the conversation. So the way I would, the way I would look at this is th- there's two things you said. One is, how do you get people in the door? So everyone was using the Twitter threads. You could use paid Facebook ads, but we could use organic short form. Hundred percent. I hundred. I, I haven't even really. T- I only made one video about Blueprint, and the and it drove like a thousand subscribers, and it was like a thousand. And that was
1: it with ManyChat. Imagine that with ManyChat. Like-
0: exactly. And I'm waiting. I'm redesigning. I'm having a guy redesign Blueprint so it looks like actually like a blueprint, like this faded thing. And so oh, once see, that's see, live, see. I'm gonna drop like a huge video and try to try to get that to go. But the point is organic short form to get people in the door for sure. That's going to work really well. And the problem is how many talking about the newsletter as itself will, will burn out after, you know, you could only do it once a quarter. But if you talked about stories in your reels that were reflected in the newsletter and you kind of did your like call to action at the end, that might work. But actually I think we get a lot of newsletter subscribers just because people listen to us and they're like, we like the way they think and the links are there. So just put that aside. That's the top of funnel for sure. We should do that. Nobody's doing that. The other question, though, is the spark loop piece, which is like, how do you make the infinite money glitch print? So right now we're assuming that, well, I guess if it's organic, it's zero cost in. So anything you're getting from spark loop is additive, but we're assuming the spark loop thing is going to exist forever. And I think that is also coming to a head where the reason you want to Well, in theory, the infinite money glitch is dope where like spark pays you a dollar, you pay 80 cents, you get 20. But really what people want to do is they just want to break even on that and then sell ads against the newsletter so that they can, and number go up in terms of subscribers, ad dollar goes up, they make more. But I think advertisers are getting sophisticated where like, if you just get these trash subs that accidentally subscribe those ads, maybe they'll pay five grand for one ad, but like nobody's going to convert on those ads. And those, that adds a path to nowhere. However, if we're selling our own products in the newsletter and we're basically buying our own ad, ad inventory, you can do that forever. So all you have to do is break even on the cost. And if the cost is zero, you might not even need the spark loop or beehive thing. Like it's worth testing, but I, I don't think those are going to last forever because everybody in the newsletter industry and therefore every brand who has a buyer of newsletter ads is saying those are trash, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'd, I would only build a newsletter uh, in order to have that connection with the audience to to sell uh, sell our own you stuff. Know, proprietary products. Because, yeah, newsletter, dude, I've ran a, um, a few ads for a Luna newsletter, by far and away the worst possible ROI of anything yeah, I've ever paid for. Like any ad spend I've ever spent ever in my life. And I've tried everything. I've done everything. I've spent money on every type of ad format you could possibly imagine. That was the lowest ROI, I think, like besides some you know, scam influencers from back in the day who I thought had an audience and I realized the whole thing was botted. You know, besides that, that's pretty low bar. Um, Yeah, newsletter ads are horrible. It's, uh, I think newsletters that are being bought by bigger companies to sort of plug into their ad network are probably just going to see a loss on their investment. Um, Nobody's clicking on the shit. It's the new, uh, it's the new banner ad on the, like who click who goes to like, at whatever news site.com and clicks on one of the banner ads, it just doesn't yeah. exist. So um, but yeah, native no organic... only to build just, just to bring more people into the ecosystem uh, for, you know, what we plan on building over the, over the next many years.
0: That native, native organic ads in the newsletter would work though. So like if we wrote a newsletter and you were like, Hey, by the way, like I just covered this topic and like I wrote this free guide or I yeah. made this course, those work. It's people don't like when other companies, rent a slot. But if it's you and you have the embedded trust. So my thing is like what we wanted right now, the world is noisy as hell. We want to go to the places where there's extremely high open rates so that we can even get in front. Where are the high open rates? Text, many chat, like Instagram DM and email. Those are the highest. Everything else is like, I I spent eight hours on a YouTube video and 4% of people who even saw the thumbnail click it. Like that is just a really inefficient I'm squeezing really hard, getting no juice out. Where's all the juice? Text, DM, email. So what we need to do is figure out how can we dry, use the top of funnel that we have, which is short form video right now, but like eventually this podcast and YouTube, how can we drive people to the place where they'll look? And in the places they look, text, email, DM, that's when we get them where we want them to go. Because I think when you, when you make a reel and you're, like let's say you had a paid course at the bottom you make a reel and try to pump people to the paid course, it won't work because people are sophisticated, they watch the reel and they're like, I'm getting sold. What you need to do is make the reel, get their, somehow get their phone number or get their email or get them in DM and then softly guide them to the course where they're opening the, they're actually like opening and engaged. When, when you read a text, you don't skim through. It's like you got one text, you're gonna read it, you're gonna respond versus the feed you're skimming. So I think like as a, as a as a high level framework, you and I basically have s- small email lists, no text reach, and we don't use our DMs that well. I don't know how well you use them, but I don't use my Instagram DMs as well as I could be. So the three highest, most valuable, high open rate properties we're like not using well, and I want to figure out how we can use them better. Now we don't have anywhere to yeah. point them right now, anyway. But
1: for people listening, that's the game. It's like it's YouTube long form, it's newsletter, it's podcast, and everything else that you do, I think, should be with the intention of like bringing people into those three. And that's where the selling is done, I would say. Um, yeah. yeah. So that that's probably what uh, another great tidbit that I learned on Twitter, and I wish I could attribute this to who, I forget who said it. Um, some like guy with like 2 million subs in his newsletter, but he was like, what you want to do with the newsletter is get as many people in, definitely don't have like a verification come from, I don't know if you do or not, but don't not have like that email confirmation. And then what you want to do is consistently be purging six month inactives. Just, and then that's how you grow a newsletter because as soon as you have like, as soon as your open rate takes a hit, click rate, whatever takes a hit. So does the overall thing because the way that Google and, and other, uh, email providers are flagging this stuff. And so like, that's what you recommend Just get as many people in there as possible and then purge six month inactives. And that's the way to grow. And so I don't know, man, that that's probably, I, I've been reshifting. I was like, I think that'll be my strategy is like trying to really, really focus on this newsletter. Um, try to get like an infinite money glitch going, or it doesn't have to be an infinite money glitch. It could just, just, just try to fast. Re- reduce the amount uh, per subscriber as possible. If I can get it under like 10 cents, fantastic. And then just like, that'll be the engine, like the growth engine of everything else. And so yeah. I never have to be like salesy or too aggressive on sort of my important top of funnel channels.
0: Yeah. The other thing, this spur of thought is basically like, if you're listening, we've named like 10 different channels. Like, podcasts, YouTube, streaming, Instagram reels, TikTok, text, like there's so many email, there's so many channels. What I'm realizing is, in theory, you want to be everywhere. But there's not enough time in the day to be everywhere until you have a full time team. So what ends up working is you basically want to go with the highest depth that you're that you can it's fun for you to make. So it's not a chore. So let me explain what I mean. To make that YouTube video I made about the vision pro it was fun to sit down and just riff. It sucked at it. I hate editing YouTube videos. It takes, it took me six hours. I hate doing it. I don't like sitting behind the computer. Could I hire an editor to do it? Yes. But would they have been able to turn around in 24 hours and send it like I wanted? Probably not at this stage. So, so that makes me question like, why am I making these YouTube videos? Well, I'm making these YouTube videos because everybody says YouTube's where you build the most depth and I want to build depth because I want to win. So I need to be on YouTube, right? That's like my thinking. But now it's like, we just talked about live streaming. Live streaming is actually builds more depth than YouTube. And what would I like more? Riffing like we do now live, which is what I like to do, or making a YouTube video, which 90% of the work is what I don't like to do. So it's like, what's a higher likelihood of me to quit? Quitting making YouTube videos or quitting just turning the camera on and just riffing, bullshitting for an hour? So I think a frame that people don't choose is like, the only way you're going to win on multiple platforms, like have multiple platforms going is by picking the ones you like. I like writing. So I like writing the newsletter. I like riffing. So I love making this podcast. And I, I think I would like live streaming. I don't necessarily love editing. And right now I'm spending a shit ton of time editing. It's burning me out. And so I think that's a good, I don't do enough gut checking on platform. I kind of just like blindly follow whatever the advice is. And I, I, I think it's a mistake.
1: Another reason live streaming is is so good. Once you get to a certain level, you have your entire audience clipping up everything and, and putting it out on, on different channels and stuff. It's, it's, um, I mean, it requires a lot of work and, you know, getting to that level is very, very difficult, but, um, yeah, man, I, you know, some of the biggest, a lot of the biggest creators in the world do not make anything, any like edited piece of content. It's just like, they live their life. They live stream it. They, they go about their day or whatever. And then they have a team doing it. Hopefully we can get to that level. Um, but yeah, man, no, I think a lot of good thoughts there. Ultimately I do agree kind of with what you said, pick one platform that you're best at that is suited best for your needs and talents, et cetera, go really hard in it, uh, to that platform. Try to make it a discovery platform. I think ideally. So like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. And yeah. then when you're ready, complement that with that long form platform, whether it be newsletter, podcasts, whatever it may be that use a discovery platform, uh, to funnel attention into. And then that second vehicle, I think is where you do the selling. And I am seeing a lot of the, uh, the best creators, they do it this way. So you'll, you'll notice like on their, on their discovery platform, whether it be you, uh, YouTube videos a little bit different, but like TikTok, Instagram, they're never like, they're never selling you on anything, um, but they're trying to get you into whatever vehicle it may be, whether it be newsletter or otherwise text community on community.com, com. Um, and then that's where they're doing the selling. And so the, I guess the idea is like, listen, your, your biggest fans or your biggest supporters will go to your long form and they will convert just because uh, they are such big supporters and fans of, of your work. So I think, I think that's just like a great model to follow. And more and more, I'm thinking like, that's how I think I kind of want to crack it is Instagram, short form uh, volume, quality play. And then into the, newsletter. Try to, in the into the newsletter, have a newsletter like spark be purging six month inactives every week and, and um, have the
0: pod and live stream at the bottom for them to funnel into if they love you. Right. That's, that's the, that's the game.
1: Exactly. And that's kind of the thing. And then have like insert products. Okay. We've launched this. We've done. And so that, that's kind of the flywheel. I think that I want to build. Um, and I wish we could overlay something. Cause like, uh, Pograb shared like Jocko Willink's entire ecosystem. Oh, yeah, that was sick. And I love that. And I, and I, and that's kind of what he does. Like his top of funnel is podcast. And then from there, he's got everything else, whether it's like um, coaching and training, whether it's supplements. I mean, it's really, really dope how he's built his world. And I think that's both of our goals over like the next ten years, is to like build this world of of different yeah. entities. For so, it it'll all come together um, and, 100%. and be documented live here. And we we
0: we 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 hundred percent should live stream because I'm thinking of it and I I'm I'm getting like I am keep hammering this live stream point. And we don't even know if it'll work, but. What did did we do really well with short form on reels and TikTok? We took what was saturated, Twitter and Reddit, and we took it where there is no saturation, Instagram, TikTok. All we did was take the same information that was trending, reformatted it, put it out. That's all we did. Same exact thing we can do with live stream. There's a shit ton of business podcasts. It's very hard for us to climb up to like hundreds of thousands of millions of downloads. And I don't say, I'm not saying we should stop, but it would be very hard to climb up that ladder. Let's just take what we're good at, which is, the same shit all the other podcasts are, but take it where no one is, which there's no one business live streaming. That's a complete, it's the same exact pattern in my head. I think we should definitely try it, see what's up. If we don't like it, we don't have to do it. But that I'm, I'm looking for underpriced, uh, underpriced attention is not the right way to say it, but I'm, I'm looking for like under, uh, populated channels for our niche. And I could be wrong. There could be a lot of live streamers in business, but I don't, I don't, I don't hear about any.
1: Yeah. It's what, you know, uh, when things pop first on the internet, it's like a much younger crowd and it's like specific niche. And like, so that was kind of Twitch. It was like, it was like a kid's game gamers. And like, now it's maturing and now it's a bunch of other use cases. And now Gary V sees it as a, as a, um, you know, as a vehicle for, for business content. And yeah, that platform, the same as kick it'll go from gaming and gambling to like, you know, uh, business entrepreneurship, shit every every kind of content you know and, and we saw the same thing with like instagram with facebook with twitter um tiktok started as you know teens dancing and now it's every type of creators so i, I think you're right i mean there's definitely something there i'm excited meant a uh, year two of creating that's kind of like the year one is like figure some stuff out get some signal year two is like really really get really good figure more stuff out year three keep building and compounding on that year four five six year eight uh, is, yeah, you know, is, eight, is when the, the cash <laughs> is just, the cash flow is just, um, is just being
0: automated by that point, you know? So yeah. Is Gary on Twitch or kick?
1: I have to double check. I think it's Twitch.
0: All right, dope. Let's, let's, let's dial it up. I'm going to do some research, but let's, let's make it happen. Um, I think that's probably good for the episode. Yeah. Let's do it, man. I like that. Hell yeah. Next episode, right, there should the be
1: more, more, uh. This last week was just so dominated by by Vision Pro that I feel like everybody's brains were just fried in that direction. Not a lot of other stuff going on.
0: Yeah, I still think this was valuable. That last 30 minutes was very high signal, very high signal. So if you're still listening, still rocking with us, make sure to subscribe. See you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.